0: Welcome to this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast, hosted by me, Christina Simmons, who will be your guide for this audio online retreat that's going to be focused upon continuing to help you become the saint God created you to be. This retreat, we're going to be reading from the spiritual classic, The Soul of the Apostolate by Dom Jean-Baptiste Chattard. And it's going to include a brief reflection and daily resolution that's designed to help you incorporate and live out that wisdom in your daily life. So join with me now as we take our next step in our pilgrimage towards holiness. Hello and welcome to day four of the summer and fall online retreat. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds as we pray this prayer from St. Augustine, our patron and intercessor. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So after the last couple of days we are now getting into the actual book itself, the Soul of the Apostolate. We begin with part one, Active works on in the interior life, what they Mean. And today we'll read section one. God wants good works and therefore He wants zealous action. Sovereign liberality is inseparable from the divine nature. God is infinite goodness. goodness seeks nothing except to give itself and to communicate the riches which it enjoys. The mortal life of our Lord was nothing but a continual manifestation of this inexhaustibility in in, 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 <laughs> in exist- okay inexhaustible liberality it would be helpful if I was to read hmm? We'll try. The Gospel shows the Redeemer scattering along His way the treasures of love of a heart eager to draw all men to truth and to life. This apostolic flame has been passed on by Jesus to His Church, which is the gift of His love, which diffuses His life, manifests His truth, and shines with the splendor of His sanctity. Burning with this self-same love, the mystic spouse of Christ carries on down through the ages, the apostolic work of her divine model. How admirable the plan, the universal law laid down by providence, that it is through men that men are to find out the way to salvation. Jesus Christ alone has shed the blood that redeems the world. Alone, too, he might have put its power to work and acted upon souls directly, as he does in the Holy Eucharist. But he wanted to have others cooperate in the distribution of his graces. Why? No doubt His Divine Majesty demanded that it be so, but His loving affection for men urged Him, no less. As if it is seemly for the most exalted King to govern, more often than not through ministers, what condescension it is for God to deign to give poor creatures a share in His work and in His glory. Born upon the cross from the pierced side of the Savior, the Church, by its apostolic ministry, carries on the bountiful and redeeming action of the man-God. This ministry, willed by Jesus Christ, becomes the essential factor in the diffusion of the church among all nations and the ordinary instrument of its great achievements. In the front rank of this apostolate stands the clergy, with its hierarchy forming the main body of the army of Christ, a clergy distinguished by so many holy, zealous bishops, and priests, and covered with honor and glory by the recent canonization of the saint who was the cure of ours, St. John Vianney. Next to the official clergy have risen since the beginnings of Christianity companies of volunteers, shock troops, whose continued and abundant growth will always be one of the clearest signs of vitality of the church. First of all, in the earliest centuries came the contemplative orders, whose ceaseless prayer and fierce penances were such a powerful aid in the conversion of the pagan world. In the Middle Ages, the preaching orders sprang up with the mendicant and military orders and those vowed to the ransom of captives and the power of infidels. Finally, modern times have seen the birth of crowds of teaching institutes, missionary societies, congregations of all sorts whose mission is to spread abroad every kind of spiritual and material good. Then, too, at every stage of her history, the Church has received valuable help from the whole body of the faithful, like those fervent Catholics whose name today is Legion, tireless workers, ardent souls who know how to unite their forces and to devote without stint to the cause of our common mother, their time, abilities, and fortune, often sacrificing their liberty or their very lives. A wonderful and encouraging sight indeed, this providential harvest of works springing up just when they are most needed and precisely the way that the situation seems to demand. Church history clearly proves that each new need, each new emergency to be faced, has invariably meant the appearance of the institution that the circumstances required. And so, in our own day, we see a multitude of works that were scarcely even heard of a generation ago, rise up in opposition to evils of the most serious kind, catechism classes for first communicants and converts, as well as for abandoned children, all types of Catholic societies, sodalities and confraternities, laymen's retreats for young and old of both sexes, apostleship of prayer, the work of the propagation of the faith, Catholic action in student military circles, Catholic press association, and other works of both general and local usefulness. All these forms of apostolate are called into being by the spirit that burned in the soul of St. Paul. But I most gladly will spend and be spent for your souls, the spirit that wishes to spread abroad everywhere the benefits of the blood of Christ. May these humble pages go out to the soldiers of Christ, who, consumed as they are with zeal and ardor for their noble mission, might be exposed, because of the very activity they display, to the danger of not being, above all, men of interior life. For such men, when the day comes for this deficiency in their lives, to be punished by failures no one seems able to explain, and by serious spiritual collapse, may well be tempted to give up the fight and retire in discouragement behind the lines. The thoughts developed in this book have helped us, ourselves, to fight against an excessive exteriorization through good works. May they help others also to escape such a mishap and lead the stream of their courageous action into better channels. May they show that we must never leave the God of works, for the works of God, and that St. Paul's, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel, does not entitle us to forget, What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his own soul? May these modest pages also reach those fathers and mothers of families who do not consider the introduction to the devout life out of date. Christian husbands and wives who feel obligated to an apostolate towards one another as well as towards their children in order to form them in the love and imitation of the Savior. For then, they will better understand the need not only of a pious, but of an interior life. If their zeal is to have any success, and if they are to fill their homes with the unction of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and with that unchanging peace, which in the face of every trial will always be a characteristic of the truly Christian family. So, what is it that Dom Chatard is trying to get across here? The fact is, is that the interior life and active works are connected. I've talked a little bit about this, about Dom Shatard's own personal experience of going and praying and then having the practical, you know, experience of those prayers being answered and then him being able to do the work that he felt that the Lord was calling him to. But the fact is, is that he points out here for us, we must above all be men and women of interior life it is when this deficiency comes about of when we are not people of interior life that we will encounter what he describes failures that no one seems able to explain and serious spiritual collapse and many people have given up the fight and retired They've been like, oh, it's the society. It's too hard to fight against or to retire behind the lines and just kind of be insular and to have no connection with the outside world, to avoid anything that is secular. Um, And this isn't what we're called to. Particularly as lay people, we are called to be on the front lines, to be out in the trenches. To be the witnesses of Christ's love and mercy in the world. This is what we're called to. But we cannot do this without that interior life. And what is the interior life? The interior life is that which is nourished by the Holy Spirit. The interior life is our interior soul. The one that is nourished by a daily Communion, meditation, and relationship with God. We do this through our prayer and meditation. We do this through frequenting the sacraments. If you're able to receive daily communion, all the better, because the whole Eucharist has power that we cannot even begin to understand. Frequent confession, and are also striving to grow in holiness by becoming more virtuous by practicing detachment and abandoning ourselves to God's will and striving to do His will. All of these things are part of what we must do in order to have a vibrant interior life where the Holy Spirit resides within us and we are a light. We are a light and we're the yeast in our day-to-day lives within our families, within our workplaces, within our schools, wherever it is that God has placed us. So you might be saying, what's my resolution? Well, your resolution today is for you to reflect upon how is it that you are growing your interior life? How is it that you are spending? What is the primary way that you are cultivating and strengthening that interior life? What does your prayer life look like would be the fundamental first question that you need to ask. Are you spending time in daily meditation, in relationship, conversation with our Lord each and every day? You cannot do this on your own. And that's the point that Jean-Baptiste Chattard is trying to get across to us. We need to be men and women of interior life. Otherwise, we will experience those failures that we can't explain in the serious spiritual collapse. If you can't see the examples of that all around us in our world today, then we need to be rethinking because it's happening. And it's because we are not being people of interior life. We are not living it out. So that is your resolution for today. Know of my continued prayers that you continue on this journey, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you think of others who may benefit from listening, be sure to share the podcast with them. Until next time, know my prayers for you to be given whatever graces you may need to continue doing whatever it takes on the journey towards holiness so together we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless.